The Arwen Lewis Show is brought to you by OMAD Records. Find out more at omadrecords.com. Everybody, this is Arwen Lewis, and you're listening to the Arwen Lewis Show. My show is under the Jeremiah Show platform, and I feature upcoming and established musical artists, and we talk about their lives in the music business and their journeys as musicians. Today, my very special guest is Miss Stacy Antonell. Uh, you can find her on Instagram at Stacy Antonell, on her website at stacyantonell.com on Spotify under Stacy Antonell and on Facebook under Stacy Antonell. Um, <laughs> hi, Stacy. Hi. <laughs> I'm going to read everybody your little bio and then we'll get started. And I can't wait to start talking about your music and your career and this really cool perspective you have on, you know, your material that you've been sharing with everybody through your um, recording projects. So um, everybody, uh, national artist Stacy Antonell makes clever country-leaning Americana that feels both vintage and hyper-modern. Her country jazz vocals conjure the great singers of the 20s and 30s with the emotive power of country icon Patsy Cline. Rooted in classic country and laced with elements of jazz, pop, and R&B, Antonelle's narrative songs offer feature unconventional themes. Antonell grew up near San Diego, studying classical piano and cities in an eclectic range of early musical inspiration. After winning televised singing contests, Three Minutes to Stardom, Antonell quit her job to focus full-time on music. She began performing classic country covers as Ginger Cowgirl, and in 2017 moved to Nashville to record her first self-titled debut EP, which was released in 2019. The album was praised by critics and led to tours in California, the Southeast, the UK, and Germany. Antonelle's debut full-length Always the Outsider dropped June 2022 under her own name, an eclectic, otherworldly Americana collection of outsider anthems, exploring concepts like alien romance and past lives, as well as everyday emotions like isolation and disconnectedness. Produced by Ben Moore of Hot Snakes, Diamondic Dallas, and Bert um, Bacar, or <laughs> Baccarat. Okay. The modern retro country album features Antonelle's distinctly jazzy vocals alongside virtuistic instrumentation by Douglas Pettibone of Lucinda Williams on pedal steel. Joe Reed of Merle Haggard on bass, and guitarist Paul Scorey. Stacy, welcome to the Arwen Lewis Show. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited. 
<laughs> I can't wait to start talking. So um, we're here playing tracks from your latest album, Always the Outsider. And we're featuring the title track as a featured song at the end of the program today. Um, but I thought we could start by telling everybody about the beginning of your musical journey. Um, so when did you start uh, to begin studying classical piano? When I was seven, I started taking lessons. And... You started playing lessons. And I kept playing until I was 18, at which point I quit and went to college. Uh, What did you go to college for? Anthropology and women's studies, not musical at all. Anthropology and women's studies. Did it it begin to uh, inspire you in your writing at all by studying those subjects? Not at all. I didn't really write a song until I was 30. So I had a whole other life where I had an office job and... Yeah, and I just didn't do music at all ever. So this is kind of my second career in life. (laughs) Nice. Well, it's a good one to choose. Um, uh, And so it sounds like you kind of just studied um, classical piano when you were young. And when did you start to sing, too? I started singing, like, from birth, basically. Like, I always sang. It just never... I just didn't realize it could be something you did professionally. So I didn't, it never occurred to me to study it in college. I wish I'd gone to Berkeley College of Music, but I went to UC Berkeley instead. So, <laughs> well, you know, I don't think you needed to study music because you have this really amazing, it just sounds like it came really natural to you, you know, and you're really lucky for that. Um, and so, what, how did you morph uh, your singing voice into country jazz? How did that evolve? How did your sound evolve? Oh, I think about that a lot. I guess I started going to jazz jams probably like 10 years ago and I just started singing jazzy style. I just like, I just think jazz is more interesting than country, mm-hmm. but then I keep doing this like pendulum shift where I'm like, Oh, jazz is too like convoluted and complicated. I want the emotional authenticity of something simple like country music. And then I moved to Nashville and now I'm like, country music is stupid. It's so boring. Every song sounds the same. Now I want to sing jazz. So I just, yeah, I guess I, I, country artists have a lot of jazz influence, right? Like Willie Nelson or even like uh-huh. Pat Coyne. Um, yeah, uh, my hero. So is he? Mm. Why do you love him so much? For that reason, he's like country and jazz. And that's how I, yeah, that's how I identify. And it's hard because I feel like the country people think you're not country enough, but the jazz people think that you're too country. And it just, there's no comfortable box, but I will take Willie Nelson's box. So, <laughs> and I, feel, I mean, you just find your niche as an artist, you know, eventually. And I mean, I feel like we can't create um, for the sake of, you know, pleasing somebody else. You have to like do it because it feels natural to you, like what you do. And you've developed your own sound and songwriting style, too. Um, so you didn't uh, begin writing songs till you were 30. Yeah. Yeah, I, I don't know why. I just I always sang covers and played classical. It just never occurred to me to write songs, and it still it feels difficult to me. Still, it feels like a skill that's still being cultivated. Maybe it's like that always, no matter how long you've been writing songs. But yeah, I think it just depends on it depends on the person. Um, well, what's your what's your process like? My process varies. I do all these challenges where I'm like, you have to write a song in 10 minutes or you have to write a song every day for the next two weeks. And 
I feel like what comes most naturally to me though is just sitting down with my guitar and like sort of free associating lyrically and just coming up with like a random melody and then then I along with the chords, but then I edit the lyrics later. So yeah. That so sounds I, like yeah. Yeah. <laughs> okay, sorry. <laughs> um uh and so you play acoustic guitar, do you play electric too? I own an electric, but I never play it. So just acoustic. I should play electric because it's easier to play. Then mm-hmm. you have well, to get a guitar pedal and that seems daunting. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Build your pedal board. <laughs> um, well, who are some of your greatest musical influences? I really, I, my parents didn't listen to music. So when I say I grew up listening to, they were decisions that I made as a teenager to buy CDs. But I feel like my formative CDs as a teenager were like Sam Cooke and Otis Redding and Patsy Cline. So I've always also Alicia Keys. Mm-hmm. I feel like that came out when I was in high school, that first album. And it just really, I would kind of, I taught myself to sing listening to R&B artists because they're the ones that are actually singing. I mean, everybody's singing, but like country singers are not male country singers are not typically doing anything vocally impressive. So no shade <laughs> intended. <laughs> well, it's, yeah. well, it's also really wild that you're, you were able to just, you know, sing along because it sounds like you just have perfect pitch, right? So you're able to listen to these artists and sing along with them and develop your own style, which is quite exceptional because not everybody can do that, you know? Um. And let's talk about the um, singing contest you won. Uh, you won a singing contest called Three Minutes to Stardom. Uh, can you tell us about that show and your experience winning the contest? Yeah, it was, gosh, it was 10 years ago now. Um, it was held at a casino in San Diego. So it was very interesting aesthetic. You're like singing on stage in clouds of cigarette smoke. So <laughs> interesting times. But yeah, there were four rounds and... Um, I made it to the end and then I won. And it was really amazing for me because I was such a nervous stage performer. And this really helped me not be so terrified. Like I was still definitely terrified, but it was a a growing process for sure. And I won $10,000 and it was gone so quickly, (laughs) but it was, yeah. How did you prepare for that? Do they give you a platform, um, you know, to follow, to make sure you're ready, like in a proper etiquette or did you come up with that? No, so they don't really give you the the only limitations they impose are you have to pick their karaoke list, you're singing to backing tracks. And so many of the karaoke tracks were like, there was very little modern music to be had because whatever the rights they had at this casino, they did not have like contemporary pop music. So, um, yeah, I sang like stand by your man. And White Rabbit from the 60s and kind of weird songs. I did like one of every genre. And then I, the last song I sang was At Last. Yeah, it was kind of, it was very sort of low budget. But it was still exciting. I'd never been on TV before. And yeah, they would, the camera people would follow you on stage and they would like encourage you to like move your arms and be really blah, blah, blah. And I was like, nah, bro. I'm scared right now. I'm standing right here, singing into the mic. Leave me alone. (laughs) But yeah, it was the first round. I was eliminated, but then I got um, 
put back in by via popular vote. So that was cool. It engaged the community. <laughs> How does that work? How do they bring you back? If you so the the judges vote you off, and then somebody else brings you back on. Yeah, I was tied. There was a tie. They, three judges would score you one to ten, and I tied with a different singer in the very first round. And then the judges decided which which of us tied girls to kick off, and they kicked me off. And then every week during the first round, you could vote one of the contestants back on. So I was voted back on, and I'm very grateful. <laughs> and then you ended up winning. That's so cool. Yeah, I know. Then I ended up winning. What yeah. a success story. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and then I got a um, part of the prize in addition to the $10,000 was an audition in Hollywood with some radio execs. So that was really scary, too. I don't know why I'm focusing on being scared. It was a long time ago. I was scared. <laughs> it's just it's part of the you know journey. And then like you've totally overcome that now because I've seen you perform um, at Lost Chord. And mm-hmm. you're such a great performer. And you really you take the audience into like another realm. Like I felt like I was in Austin or something like listening to just like this amazing, like good country jazz band. (laughs) Yeah. You have to be drunk to perform. And now I find it's best if I haven't had any alcohol before I perform. So come full circle on that. It's all about the journey. (laughs) (laughs) Well, tell us a little bit about ginger cowgirl. How did you choose that stage name and what was her persona like? And do you still perform under that at all? Or is it just your name? I kind of do in San Diego. I have so much brand recognition under that name. And like a lot of people in San Diego think my first name is ginger. They, so I'm just like, I'll go with it. Yeah. I bought some country records at a thrift shop, probably in like 2014 or something. And I just really fell in love with uh, prior to that. I had not done sung country. I didn't grow up listening to country, but I bought these records and that's kind of when I first heard Willie Nelson and people like that. So I decided to start my own country cover band. I actually, the name of it came from, I put out like a, a poll with everybody. It was like, please name my country band. And that was the winner, which is really great. Yeah. It was only, I wouldn't say that it's really a persona kind of, it was just, it used to be ginger cowgirl and the silver spurs. I don't know. It's just me essentially. Yeah. It's, it's hard to parse because it's a really memorable name and I recently got rid of it having some regrets because so. <laughs> nobody can remember my name. It's weird. So ginger cowgirl was better, but yeah, it's basically just vintage country that we sang under that title, which is why I stopped using it. Cause I want to just have a more diverse, you know, musical approach and incorporate jazz and lots of different genres and not be sort of tied down to what people think they're going to get when they hire somebody called ginger cowgirl. Smart move. Yeah. <laughs> How did you hook up with your band? Do you still play with the same band? Um, or are there different people that you work with from time to time? It's not a solid band. It's especially in Nashville. Nashville is a very sort of culturally sideman oriented city. You just like hire people and they're not really ever part of your project. So that's kind of difficult. Um, but yeah, I just hire whoever's available basically. In San Diego, I have a pretty solid band with some changes, but yeah. I didn't and, oh. them when I met you, but yeah. <laughs> you had some people from Nashville at Lost Court, I think, right? One of them, yeah. And the other guy, um, Tom, lives in Carpinteria. So that okay. was very handy. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> 
Um, is it always like a, a pedal steel player and a bass and you, or how does that work? Um, do you change instruments when you play live, depending on who's available? If I'm full band, it's basically pedal steel, guitar, bass, drums, myself. I use mandolin a lot too, but yeah. I mostly play the duo just with myself and a guitar player. Okay. And then do you play acoustic guitar and then you have a lead? Is that how it works? Exactly. Yeah. And is your um, guitar style, are you you're primarily rhythm? Absolutely. I'm, yeah. I'm new to guitar. I should really practice and learn something besides rhythm, but that's all I need for now, really. So. Oh, well, yeah. Rhythm is, I mean, I feel like rhythm is, it's such an important part, you know, like it's like, especially if you're just playing with a lead guitarist, you know, I think it's really important to have the two because the rhythm like holds the heartbeat of the song and then you get the melody going with the lead in your voice and it ends up being this like really beautiful um, collaboration. (laughs) Um, Well, what inspired you to move to Nashville when you moved? I just felt like the San Diego community, music community wasn't this has changed a little bit since I moved, but at the time in 2017, I really felt like everything was very geared toward like covers. Most mm-hmm. of, you know, like I was making a living singing, but it was all like in hotel lobbies and at yacht clubs and corporate events and weddings. And just, I think that's kind of a trap that people get stuck into because there's money in it. But ultimately I think not for everybody, but for me, if I, I wanted to be an artist and these days to be an artist means you have to write your own songs and be in a community of other artists. So Nashville has been really good for me in that regard because it's just constant inspiration everywhere you go. You can't help but bathe in it. And it's made me a much better writer. I mean, I'd written like two songs before I moved there anyway. So I was really fresh, fresh in it, but it's, I can, I can feel actively how it's made me better. And yeah. I totally agree with you. I feel like the artistic community that you're surrounded by and the people you play with have like a, a huge part in your inspiration and it becomes engraved in your self-conscious or self-conscious subconscious. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for sure. Um, well, before we go out to break, uh, why don't we just finish up by talking about your experience uh, recording your first EP in Nashville? Uh, where was it recorded and who played on it and what was the process like? That was really cool. It was my first time ever recording music and I had no idea what I was doing. So I went to RCA Studio C. Um, People that have been to Nashville may have done the RCA Historic Studio B tour, which is where Elvis recorded and everybody. This is in the same building. It used to be Chet Atkins' office, but now they've made it into a different studio. And yeah, it was, I did three songs with them there. And it was very, very Southern in that like we took our time and I would like go over there every couple of days and we would just talk about the music and I'd play it for them and they'd be like, no, I like it this way. It was like artist development in a way that like rarely happens anymore. So and I didn't hire any of the band. They hired, well, I'm trying to think of who the band played with. Actually, Dave Rowe was on bass. He just passed away a couple of weeks ago. He was Elvis's bass player. Mm-hmm. And then Bob Britt on guitar, he played, I feel like I want to say he played with Eric Clapton, but I might be wrong. So they pulled in some heavy hitters and yeah, I was really happy with it. It was nice to be able to take your time. <laughs> That's not my experience recently. It's like, you have two days, record 12 songs, go. Just like, that's hard for me. 
Totally. It's like nowadays, I just feel like it's all time is money. So I think that's really great that you got to have that experience and also have, you know, the support of like, you know, the record studio, a recording studio showing you, you know, how to analyze your art and come up with a great project. Um, and was that under Ginger Cowgirl? Is that the name that you? That was. Yeah. Ginger Cowgirl. And can, is that on Spotify? Can everybody find that and listen to it? Or buy it, it yeah yeah it's on my website and it's on spotify i have two spotify accounts <laughs> ginger cowgirl and my own so a little confusing but yeah and if they want to buy and support the artist they can go to your website which is better <laughs> yes <laughs> all right well we're gonna get ready to head out to break um everybody if you're just tuning in my very special guest is stacy antonell she's a singer songwriter a musician in the um genre of experimental uh country leaning americana uh with notes of jazz and um some hyper modern in there and vintage uh, we're going to take you out to break with her song if uh, you can't trust fate and bring you back in with her song six weeks in nashville and those are um off of her uh, recent album that's uh, released called always an outsider and you can find that on her website at stacyantonell.com. And you can also look it up on Spotify and listen. Follow Stacy on Instagram at Stacy Antonell. Look her up on Facebook under Stacy Antonell and on Spotify under her name. And we'll be right back. Enjoy our music. It was meant to be when they collided at the jukebox. Three times one week Two strangers With their jaws dropped And Jamo on the rocks They push through the crowd To where the bar curved and met the wall The music was loud Soon the bartenders were threatening last call They ignored it all Barstool stuck sweaty to her thighs The night was cool, they held hands under the streetlights But you can't trust fate The OMAD Records featured artist on The Arwen Lewis Show is John DiNicola. Find out more at omadrecords.com. After many years of writing and producing different artists, Academy Award-winning songwriter of Time of My Life and Hungry Eyes, John DiNicola made his first album as an artist in 2019. Fast forward very fast to now. For the release of its follow-up, She Said, and while DiNicola's debut, The Why Because, had him interpreting tunes he'd originally penned for others, She Said was conceived and created for one voice, one touch, and one heart, his own. Just the sight of all that whiskey made my shoulders feel less tight. 
Well, I try to lead a clean life But this city makes it hard It's a drinking town with a music problem I got those that can help me solve them, yeah So give me a shot and a sip of your Guinness It ain't nobody's business what I do Everybody. This is Arwen Lewis, and welcome back to the Arwen Lewis Show. If you're just tuning in, my very special guest is Miss Stacy Antonome. She's a Nashville musical artist um, with clever country-leaning Americana that feels both vintage and hyper-modern. Uh, we're playing tracks from her album Always an Outsider today. Stacey, um, hello again. Hello. <laughs> Uh, so we uh, went out to break talking about your first EP that you recorded um, in Nashville, Studio C at RCA, is that what it was? Yeah, RCA. Amazing. Um, and that EP, so that led to a tour for you uh, in California, the Southeast, the UK, and Germany. Um, I thought we could talk a little bit about that tour and the venues we performed in. Sure. Yeah, I mostly, I booked everything myself. So sometimes the venues were not so great because nobody knows who I am. So, or back then nobody knew who I was. So um, yeah, what I most remember from that time is the UK tour, which was in January and February of 2020. So we really got in just under the COVID wire. But yeah, that was amazing. The UK is like what people say I don't know, there's this like narrative out there that if you tour and you go to the same place over and over again, more people will show up every time and you build it organically. I have not necessarily found that to be the case in a lot of US markets, but in the UK, like people really do show up and listen and buy things. And more than that, just like are engaged. I'll just settle for engaged and listening. <laughs> like that's all we can ask for, I feel like, so. It was just really fun to have that experience. And I went back this year and the people that saw me in 2020 came back and brought their friends. So I'm like, oh, this is, it's working. So, yeah. That's, do you reach out to them on Facebook or do the venues just promote you and then they come back to see the artist? How does that work for all of those artists out there who want to book their next UK tour? <laughs> That's such a good question. I mean, I should be better. I mean, I booked everything via email, but I think that the people knew I was coming back. I guess they must have known on Facebook. I should have a better grasp of my fans and like start an email list, but I'm kind of like an awkward person. In person, I feel super weird about being like, please join my email list. Well, I should get better at it, but I am who I am and I'm trying to accept that. <laughs> I think you're doing the right thing. I think all you need to do is reach out to the venues and they're, they're going to let them know, um, the fans know that you're there. And it seems your, your music does the job, but it should be doing. <laughs> Good. Um, well, let's talk about Always the Outsider. Um, you explore some really cool concepts like romance and past lives, as well as um, everyday emotions like isolation and disconnectedness. So I thought we could just talk about each of those concepts. Um, first off, alien romance. Uh, what inspired you to explore that concept in your writing? I, during COVID, kind of went down a metaphysical rabbit hole. And I was also dating this man at the time who I could not break up with. I, I kept breaking up with him, but I kept going back. And so I would get these readings from a Theta Brainwave reader. And I don't know how to explain what they do. 
they put your allegedly they put your brain into a theta state and then are able to like reroute negative synaptical patterns, thought patterns in your brain. And they get insights somehow into like your past lives on earth. So one of the theta readers told me that I was a foreign exchange student on planet earth and that I was like an alien wandering around the planet, trying to like figure out like the human race is super weird. Like what is going on here? So that's why a lot of the songs are alieny. <laughs> and I love yeah. Um, what about, and so is that where the past lives concept came into? Yeah, specifically one of the songs is about a past life on a pirate ship, like with reference to the man I couldn't break up with. Again, I was breaking up with him all over the place, but could not stay away. And when I asked my theta reader, he said that it's because in a past life, my boyfriend was a pirate ship captain and I was a scullery wench. And he had taken advantage of me on the ship and it had caused our souls to form a karmic contract, the terms of which we're playing out in this incarnation. So a lot of, lot of weird things. <laughs> I mean, but really great song material. And I feel like songwriting is a great way to explore all those ideas because they're so, um, you know, un, you know, you can't de really define it. You know, you can't prove that it's there or not there really, you know, it's just about what you believe in. And I think totally. yeah, it's a really great way to process that. Um, and what about isolation and disconnectedness? Um, and do you feel like creating music um, helps to ease the discomfort of feeling isolated and disconnected? That's a good question. And I'm honestly not sure. I think about how people say all the time that they write music to process their own emotions and for themselves. And I feel like at the moment I'm trapped into sort of the industry bubble where I feel like I have to like write for a purpose and that purpose is putting out a record. It feels a little less authentic to me at the moment, but yeah, with regard to like isolation, I wrote the title track, always the outsider when I had just moved to Nashville and I just felt like really lonely and I didn't know anybody. And it just felt like everything was this club of people that I had no access to. And yeah. It's been interesting because so many people have come up to me and said how, how much they resonate with that message. And I'm like, oh, I guess I'm not the only one that feels alone in the world. Shocking. How self-centered can I be? <laughs> no, but I think it's people, you know, they if you're isolated, you're not expressing that, you know. And so I feel like the great thing about art and community and shows is that it creates community and I also, um, but going back to the idea of like having music, creating music, ease the discomfort, um, instead of using it, instead of looking at that question from using it to like process your own feelings, um, what about, you know, like the aspect of mindfulness, like when you're creating, you know, you take yourself into a complete focus, like of what you're working on, instead of focusing on like the ideas, like, do you feel like that at all? Like, instead of focusing on isolation or being disconnected, um, that just getting into the creative state, and being mindful in that moment helps to ease those feelings at all? I feel that way when I'm playing classical piano. Like if I have a lot of anxiety, playing Bach will just like, sink me into it'll just regulate my nervous system i guess that's what's really happening but yeah it's still i have a large inner critic i think that i've been really recognizing lately so it's just always there even when i'm like first writing a song i feel like almost immediately i'm experiencing so much self-doubt that i just want to quit so it's 
that's something I'm trying to be more cognizant of lately. Well, I would say that your music is an example that, um, or and it should be an inspiration to those who listen uh, to don't quit when you're having self-doubt when creating, because <laughs> you've come up with really like a really a beautiful piece of work here. Um, and we're actually, we're going to run out to break again. Uh, so we're going to take everybody out to break with your song, Kicking and Screaming from the album, Always an Outsider, and bring them back in with Heartbroken Tomorrow. Everybody, this is Arwen Lewis. You're listening to The Arwen Lewis Show. My very special guest is Stacy Antonell, and please enjoy her songs from Always an Outsider. This is Arwen Lewis, and you're listening to The Arwen Lewis Show. You just heard my very special guest, Stacey Antonell, um, her song Heartbroken Tomorrow. And we're playing songs today from her recent album uh, that's called Always an Outsider. And I thought we could talk a little bit, Stacey, about um, the recording process of this album. Where did you record Always an Outsider? I recorded it in San Diego, strangely. Most people don't leave Nashville to record their records, but... I don't know why it just, it felt like home because I'm from San Diego and I just felt, it made me feel comfortable in my bones just to like think about doing it at home. So yeah, it was really a quick process. It was in contrast to my EP. We had three days and we did 12 songs. You know, it was intense. I felt very emotionally overwhelmed a lot. And it was also during COVID. When did we record it? We recorded it in like May 2021. So it was, you know, safe enough to like be in a room together, but I hadn't played any of these songs live. So I feel like they hadn't become themselves yet. It was just something that I wrote in isolation and just like showed the producer and he's like, this sounds good, let's do it. So it was stressful for that reason. And just whenever a clock is ticking and you're paying a lot of money, it just, it's not conducive to chill vibes. And I feel like chill vibes are conducive to good music. 
I mean, it sounds like you had really strong musicians and a really, you know, a producer who really like knew how to get something done really quickly and direct everything. It sounds like, right? Who was the producer on this? Ben Moore. Okay. And he's worked with like everybody, like you said, Burt Bacharach, Hot Snakes. Not that my music is anything like Hot Snakes, but he's a really amazing engineer. Like he can splice tape. He can do any kind of. He has amazing ears. Um, yeah, I guess my only regret is just not having time to do more experimentation. But, you know, I kind of learned that for my next record, I want every song. I want to be playing all my songs that are going to be on the record live for like months to record them. Yeah, just so, yeah. <laughs> Well, do you feel like you learned something new about your songs, like from recording it that way? Um, did you choose to perform them live, uh, staying true to the recordings, or is there some improvisation, improvisation going on there um, when you perform live with this uh, particular piece of work? There's definitely improvisation. That's the thing. I'm a very, like, I feel like some people write a song and then the song is done. I play with melody so much. Like, I sing the song different every time I sing it. And eventually arrive at a place where I'm like, okay, now the song is like fully written. Like this is the melody that I now through trial and error have chosen. So that, that element was missing. So I sing them quite differently now than I, than I recorded them, but yeah. That's the beauty of live performance. <laughs> so true, Arwen. <laughs> well, uh, and then also, so did you were saying uh, your engineer, I could spice tape. So did you record this to tape or was it digital? It was digital. I don't know why I use that example of just how talented he is, but I'm I'm a little scared to do analog. A lot of people do it in Nashville, and I just, man, I want my vocals to be like on top of the mix and flawless. Not flawless in a pitch corrected way, but I don't know. It just scares me again. It seems like you're there's a lot of variables over which you don't have any control when you're doing things to tape. And honestly, I. I can't hear a difference. You know, I don't think the, I think it makes for a good story, but I don't think it actually affects the listening experience. Maybe I'm wrong about that. Well, I think it's so different now because even when you record analog, everything is coming out of a digital device um, or you can, you know, you can record digital and then put it on to a vinyl. And I mean, there is the warmth, but yeah, I think it depends on a lot of it depends on what you're listening on. And it almost has like, you know, like, I don't know if you noticed this, like, if you're listening to, like, a 60s rock band, like, those first recordings, unless they've been remastered, um, I feel like, you know, they sound smaller, but it's cool. It's like, it's a vibe, you know, but like you're saying, like, you want everything to sound big and shiny and beautiful like your album does. And I totally agree with you that, like, first of all, it saves money <laughs> and it's easier, you know, to create um you know like in that sense you know you don't have to worry about the tape you can just press stop and <laughs> record again right um but and besides that i thought really quick so just to give our listeners some hope like when you went to nashville how did you connect with your community did you just start going to clubs where people were performing and making friends or how did you you know because you became pretty successful there so how did that work out for you basically yeah it is just all about going out every night which is what i wrote one of my songs about it's like i'm always drunk because i'm at a bar every night yeah it's just meeting people and so many things happen over time i feel like the first couple years i was there i felt like i was going nowhere but 
after you're somewhere for a certain amount of time, it has like a two plus two equals five sort of effect. Like suddenly like, you know, everybody. And, and I, I also have a job. So, you know, I'm a bartender. <laughs> I worked at the country music hall of fame for years. So I met people that way. And then you just start to branch out into different networks. What did you do at the country music hall of fame? How cool. <laughs> I was a cashier selling tickets. Nice. <laughs> but when you're in a venue like that, it literally doesn't matter what your job is. Because first of all, you're in like this amazing historic place around all of these amazing um, relics. And then everybody you work with has to be super cool and connected in the industry, too. Yeah, it's I love that museum. That was my goal when I decided to move to Nashville. I was like, I'm moving to Nashville. I'm getting a job at the Hall of Fame. And within like 10 days, I had a job at the Hall of Fame. 10 days of getting to Nashville. So. Cool. Yeah, it's a kind of tried and true path for a lot of successful country artists that used to work there. So I actually got fired from there. So it's even more auspicious. <laughs> and that's very rock and roll. <laughs> I know. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, how about let's jump back to songwriting a little bit. Do you co-write or do you just prefer to write yourself? I don't co-write because I don't. It just weirds me out, honestly. I would like to, because I really often feel trapped in the bubble of my own subjectivity. And I think a lot can be gained from it. But the way Nashville does it is very sort of, you know, all the staff writers have a, a, write, a co-write from 10 to 1 and then from 2 to 5. And it's like, they're, I don't know, they finish a song in three hours and it's all sort of a the, the Nashville industry machine. And that kind of weirds me out to go into a room with a stranger and write a song because I do have particular taste and it is like dating, you know, it's not going to work with most people. So. And it yeah. sounds like you just like your music to evolve organically, you know, mm -hmm. and that's um, that's true to who you are as an artist and you're it's real art, you know, it's not just creating a cookie cutter piece of work. Um, but if there was one person that you could co-write with and record with, do you have cool. Here or not here? Gosh. Well, I guess I would have to say Willie Nelson. I think our sensibilities are the same. So that could be really cool. I could totally hear you <laughs> sing his music. Casey Musgraves would be pretty bitchin' too. Who? Casey Musgraves. Oh, yeah. She, you two together doing a harmony duo would be really nice. Do you ever sing with background singers or do you ever do background gigs or are you just primarily the only singer uh, when you perform? I am usually the only singer when I perform. For some reason, I have bad luck with guitar players. Everybody in my band, nobody can sing. So it'd be really nice if they could up their game and actually do a BGV. But I would like to do it for others, too. That's going to be something I start trying to pursue. I think it's like I'm so used to singing lead. Singing harmony is a whole other like skill set and I'd really like to get better at it. I'm sure you'd pick it up right up, pick it right up naturally because of your um classical training. I could you hear harmony really easily when you play piano? Yeah. And I I did all the harmonies on my record. It just it feels different somehow to be doing it live and you have to sing differently, you have to like blend your tone better and yeah. Maybe I don't need to do it. <laughs> I mean, you will if it's meant to be for you. Sounds like everything that's meant to be for you tends to work out, which is really, really cool. Um, and what about a venue? Do you have a dream venue where you could perform in? Yes, the Greek Theater in LA. Nice. That's what I manifest in front of my 
figurative vision board every night. Uh, why the Greek theater? I don't know. I just, every time I go there, I just love it. And it feels, I just feel so cool there. It also feels like attainable. The more I come up in the industry, the more I see people that are at my level doing things that I'm just like, well, if you can do it, why couldn't I do it? Like Hollywood Bowl, okay, I'll probably never get there. And that's okay. But Greek theater, the Ryman in Nashville, like yeah. those are possible. Well, let's just put that out there. <laughs> I can totally see like you and your band playing there and the sound just like filling the, you know, filling the aura and the ambiance really nicely um well we're going to run out to break again um we're going to take everybody out with planetary heartache uh, do you want to ha- say a little something about this song since it's so otherworldly this is my from the record it's about an alien earthling romance and it takes place in the 70s nice <laughs> so we're going to take you out with stacy antonella's song planetary heartache and bring you back in with absent captain how about absent captain you have something to say about that song Absent Captain is about one of my past lives where I was on a formless mathematical dimension with no body. (laughs) Your story. (laughs) Okay. This is so fun. Such great music, (laughs) such cool songs, such great topics. Everybody, you're listening to Stacey Antonelle on the Arwen Lewis Show. And we'll be right back. left me with a planetary heartache. Records featured artist on the Arwen Lewis show is Peter Lewis. Find out more at omadrecords.com. I'd say we are all trying to find some connection between what goes on in our own minds and what happens in the world around us. You know, there will always be good and bad in both places. But my belief is that as long as love and not fear is that connection, there will always be hope for that better day of coming. And that's what I'd like people to get off imagination.
Before the next great song plays, let's pause to consider all the people who work tirelessly to bring us the music we love. Music Cares is music's leading national charity that provides a safety net of support and crisis relief for the music community. Everyone from musicians to tour managers, sound engineers to designers can rely on Music Cares to provide emergency financial assistance and essential resources in times of need. Find out how you can help at musiccares.org. That's M-U-S-I-C-A-R-E-S dot org. Everybody, this is Arwen Lewis, and my very special guest today is Miss Stacy Antonell. You just heard her song "Absent Captain," and before that, "Planetary Heartache," both from her recent release, "Always an Outsider." And um, Stacy, welcome back from break. Thank you. Glad to be here. Uh, so I thought we could finish up um, by talking about, uh, or letting me ask you the question: uh, Did you see yourself evolving into a professional performing songwriter when you began playing classical piano? Was that always a dream for you? No, I think I had like a vague dream of being a pop star. Like I would sing with a hairbrush into the mirror. So in a way, kind of, they say that what you wanted to do as a kid, you should do as an adult for a career. And I guess that has happened for me, but. I, it's not, it's a surprise, but also not a surprise. That's my non-answer. <laughs> well, it, was it a pleasant surprise? Are you happy? Definitely. Yes. I, I do wish I'd started earlier, but whatever. I would be a totally different person. So. And all of your experience. And I feel like, you know, your edge, like women's studies, like studying that, I feel like you have a little bit of that vibe, at least like, like with your merch, right? You've got some great merchandise. <laughs> Can people get your merch on uh, your website too? Yeah. 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 See, Antonelli, you have shirts. Uh, what else do you have? I have shirts, mugs, CDs. I used to have hats, but those are sold out now. So yeah, I have a shirt. <laughs> I wore your shirt last night to bed. Oh, thank you. <laughs> Those were made in solving by our, our local, um, they're called, she's called the Mad Hatter and she embroiders, like hand embroiders all the stuff, which is really fun. Um, how do you get, do you just get like order your shirts from a screen printing company? How does that work? I do. Yeah. A local Nashville one. So it's, it's a lot cheaper actually to get merch done in Nashville and San Diego for, I guess, cost of living differences, but. Nice. Nashville is that much cheaper than California at this point. <laughs> I know, right? It's pretty much the same. Housing is the only thing that's cheaper. But. Which, you know, everything, you know, everything gives you a little up if there's a break financially. <laughs> um, well, and do you have any new projects in mind? Do you see your music evolving into something different uh, in the future? Or do you think you're going to stick with where you're going right now? Uh, I've been writing songs lately, so I guess I'm... I kind of want to do like a vintage country soul record. Nice. I want to do a fun record. I feel like my last record was like weird and fun in a way, but it was an emotional record. I want to make a record that's just like fun. Lighthearted in a good time. Yeah. 
Yeah, I feel like that's what the world needs right now. I mean, yeah, but there's some lighthearted good stuff on um, Always an Outsider, too. So, for sure. Yeah. Will... Well, anyways, uh, this went by way too fast. It really did. Thank you so like, much for having me. Thank you so much for coming on, Stacy. Um, it was like sitting out on the porch having a glass of iced tea. <laughs> <laughs> Looking forward to splitting a bill with you again at Lost Cord. Yeah, so with that, let's touch base. Uh, <laughs> get off of Zoom here. And yeah, <laughs> um, anyway, yeah, thank you so much, everybody. My very special guest has been Stacy Antonell. And we're going to take you out of the show with her song, Always an Outsider. It's uh, the title track from her album, Always an Outsider. And um, you can find out more about Stacy at stacyantonell.com, at Stacy Antonell on Instagram. Look her up under her name on Facebook and Spotify. And anyway, again, thank you so much, Stacy, And everybody, please enjoy her music. Burn by my own fire Watching my own hunger Eating me
The Arwen Lewis Show was brought to you by Evolve Entertainment. Host and executive producer, Arwen Lewis. Executive producer, Jeremiah D. Higgins. Producer and sound engineer, Richard Dr. D. Dugan. You can find Arwen Lewis and all of her music at arwenlewismusic.com. And follow her on Instagram at Arwen Lewis. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points.